Hello, welcome to episode 57 of the One Life Podcast, where we talk about things from One Life Church, but ultimately things we think can relate to you and your one and only life. My name is Sarah Inman, one of your co-hosts of the podcast, and I'm joined by co-host of the podcast and our lead pastor, Brett Nicholson. How you doing, Sarah? <laughs> Great. Um, and this is actually uh, a conversation, a second second part of a two-part conversation we had with Braxton Hunter. And if you didn't listen uh, to part one last week, I'm going to ask you to stop now, go back, listen to that, and make sure you're caught up on the conversation. But um, just really great conversation with Braxton. We wanted to give it some space to breathe and be able to um, really have two different co- types of conversations with Braxton. So it was really great. But um, each week at the beginning of the podcast, Brett has been doing a little bit of recap and teaching from the week previous. And um, I'm going to turn that over to you, Brett. Well, thank you. You know, the reason we've been doing this is because we said the goal is to build a Christ-centered worldview during Centered, but also to uh, build confidence in a Christ-centered worldview. And that's why we're talking about the apologetics and defense kinds of things that uh, Braxton's been talking about, uh, but then also how to have conversations. And so we've been centering in on First Peter 3. We keep saying it each week. But in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer for, to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect keeping a clear conscience. And so that's really a good guide, and we will keep repeating it because we want to uh, just remind ourselves, anytime you find yourself in a dialogue with a a coworker or a friend or a family member, or especially one of your kids, uh, remember that. Here's the guide. Be prepared. So let's talk a little bit today about being prepared. This is always be prepared. And think about what preparation is. Preparation is simply thinking in advance. It's kind of, it, when you get prepared to go on a trip, you think through, okay, what's the temperature, what's the temperature going to be like? What kind of things will I be doing? Will I need to take something that's a little bit more formal? Is it all casual? You anticipate the future and then just act in light of it. Well, that's all you're really doing. And that's what the Bible's telling you to do. There may come a day when they may not come up to you and say, please explain to me why you have the hope that you do. It's not going to be necessarily that, but it may be something like, how are you you mentioned church a lot. You go there. Why would you believe something like that? Or what makes you emphasize that so much in your life? Your kids, your, especially your teenagers someday are going to, why do we do the church thing? I don't get it. I know we believe in God and everything, but why do we do this? Why do we believe these things? And so think about it in advance is is the key. And so we've said over the last couple of weeks that this was came at the recommendation of William Lane Craig, uh, uh, most foremost, foremost apologist in the world right now, he said every Christian ought to have a list of five reasons in their pocket. Not that you pull out and read, but you know we're there because you've taken the time to do that. And, and when it comes to that, that's one of the reasons that we're doing this. And Braxton today is going to give a great one uh, towards the end of our talk. But also, uh, we have resources. I don't know if you've noticed or not, but in all three of our lobbies, we have an explorer's area. And there are resources there. Some of them, they're a little bit tougher to read than others, but the ones by Lee Strobel are a great introduction to all these. The case for the Creator, the case for Christ, the case uh, for faith. He has all those. And the good news is, if you don't really like reading, Many of them are available on DVD. You can, and, and nowadays you can listen to podcasts. A great podcast is called Reasonable Faith. That's William Lane Craig's. Uh, there's one by John Dixon called Undeceptions that talks about these kinds of things. There's lots of podcasts. There's things on YouTube. You can listen to them while you're doing housework just to get 
gather up reasons. You can do this, and it's about being prepared, because I can promise you, you will be want to be prepared if someone does ask you if these subjects come up over Thanksgiving dinner or something, and you don't want to just have a dumb look on your face or just kind of say, well, it's just because I believe it. Just say, well, I believe for a number of reasons, and the first one's this, and the second one's this, and people will at least be drawn in. And so that's what we're trying to get to, and listen very carefully towards the end of our conversation. Braxton is going to give one that sounds complex at first, but it is a great job of breaking it down into a simpler way that all of us could be uh, uh, would be able to deliver. Awesome. Here's part two of a conversation with Braxton Hunter. Uh, I want to shift over to manner or things to avoid because it's that combination always be prepared but also do this with gentleness and respect keeping a clear conscience and uh, behavior on social media and, and uh, uh, it, it, I don't know if you know this or not uh, that Braxton on his uh, podcast and YouTube channel and all that posted a recent message of mine <laughs> and let it be uh, evaluated by atheist and that's an interesting thing. It's a great read if you want to see what they said. <laughs> it was a yeah. great read for me for about 30 seconds, and then it turned into not <laughs> such a good read. And a lot of creative in- insults were shared out, So, which is fine. It's all good. But um, I, I guess what I would like to ask is you've interacted and done these things, whether it's formal debates or online or just in conversation. What would you say, first of all, are pitfalls to avoid that you would recommend to everybody? Hey, you just always kind of keep a guard up here or pitfalls to avoid that you've encountered in conversations. Yeah, like this. first of all, uh, don't be a jerk. That's That should be key, you know? Oh, okay. Um, there, so many people, because we get into this, and you can see it on Facebook um, when people get into discussions about these kind of things. I, I've been so disheartened sometimes to see Christians getting upset and, and starting to get far too aggressive uh, and, and and skeptics do this as well. But it's so frustrating for me to see that because you don't have to do that. The truth is on your side. You've got good reasons. And the, the fact that this person, you should expect that an unbeliever is going to present the objections that they do. So you want to be a, a friendly, loving person that... Um, that is open, you know, to, to the other to the other side, and and is charitable with them. Uh, secondly, uh, let them. You said something a while ago that I think is great, which is in one-on-one discussions because most of the people watching this are not creating a YouTube channel, right? They're they're having right. normal conversations on the street or or in the office, and I would say there, let the other person talk because they've been waiting to talk, and finally, here's a Christian who's going to let them talk. Yeah. And so the way I, I kind of give a little structured thing like this, I say, okay, first, uh, to find out where the person is, say to them, hey, I want to understand what your worldview is. Uh, tell me, how do you answer the major questions of life? And by that, I mean, how do we get here? Like human beings, how do we get here? What's the meaning of life if there is one? And what happens when we die? When someone answers those three questions, you kind of got a good handle on basically where they're coming from. And so they've gotten to talk. You just listen and don't challenge them. Just let them talk. And then ask them something like, how, what do you tell me? What do you understand the Christian message to be? If, just in a paragraph, like what do you what do you think Christianity is all about? Because nine times out of ten, they misunderstand the Christian message, and you can help them if they get it right. Great, right. but sometimes they misunderstand, and it's happened to me at least once. That once I clarified the Christian message, that person became a Christian. Mm-hmm. And so sometimes it's I mean the power of the gospel is the power of God unto salvation, right? So uh, that that's important. So I think letting them talk. Being friendly and not aggressive with them is very important. Uh, one of the big things that really upsets a lot of people 
is, and they've heard it from other Christians if they've been an atheist for very long, and that is uh, you trying to tell them that they're that they're lying, that th- that they know there really is a God and they're just in rebellion. Christians can be set up to say that because of Romans one twenty, but the fact is, if you, the worst way to to begin or get any you know progress or purchase in a conversation is to tell your conversation partner that they are a liar. You don't you don't want to begin that way, okay? So Seems even if you, simple enough, but that might be the definition of a jerk. Right. right that's right. That goes back to being yeah. a jerk. Yeah, right? I was going to ask you to define that, but maybe you just did. Yeah. So don't so don't you know don't tell them don't don't tell them that they're a liar. Um, even if you think that, just keep that to yourself, right? Right. Uh, so so I think those kind of things being charitable. Believing that they're t- and when you and when you do present back to them what you think they're saying, there's this thing we, that's a logical fallacy that's called a straw man. Most people are aware of that in popular culture. Uh, it's the idea of like you've created a, a, a not the real person but a straw fake person, and you knock that down and claim victory. Right? right? A straw man is presenting a version of what they're saying that isn't accurate and knocking that down. On the other hand, what you want to do is steel man them. That is where you present the strongest form of what they're saying, even if they haven't presented the strongest form, and then respond to that. Because we don't have to be afraid. We do have the truth on our side, and so we, we can do those things. So I just think being as charitable as possible is very important. Is there, is there ways, because I, I, it, it was some people on, for instance, on the review from Atheist of my message, uh, some people were kind and said some insightful things, uh, but a lot of people said fairly insulting things, and I read through some of it, and some of it I laughed at, some of it was like, what the, and other times I, yeah. I wanted to jump in, you get kind of mad, so is there like anything that you do in your own mind now that you've experienced a lot of that, because I'm sure you've been called several names and, and had to go through it, is there anything that you to keep from getting upset. I think that's the thing they, they say. If you, if you get mad in a debate, that's when you lose. Yeah. yeah. But are, are there mechanisms that help you not to be? Yeah, I think so. First of all, bathing everything in prayer and you can, this sounds weird, but you can, you know, the Bible says to pray without ceasing and you can pray in the midst of, I prayed in the midst of my debates, you know, just a quick Lord, please be with me in this, you know, th- something like that. You might not even quite verbalize it mentally, but you know, you're, you're just right. thinking toward that. Um, but I think bathing things in prayer is important. And also remembering that um, miserable people that are making you miserable are often miserable themselves. And uh, it may be the case. So if a person has come out as an atheist to their family, especially here in, in the West, um, they may have taken some real abuse for that. Uh, that, they, that their parents, at least, and friends may have been very unkind, uncool, and it may have been out of a spirit of fear, and it may have come from a good place because they care about that person, and they may have been too aggressive in how they talked to that person to try to get them back in the fold. And in that, they may have been very offensive. And as a result, this person, um, who you're encountering now, may have some aggression and some angst and some snarkiness about them because they've genuinely been hurt. And that's the worst situation because you know as a Christian that those Christians who may have hurt them meant well. At base, they meant well, even if they went about it wrong. And so I try to put myself in their position and realize how they must feel uh, in, the, in that situation and then look past some of that. Um, so that, that's kind of how I try to do it. But I'm not perfect. Sometimes I get a little snarky back, and, and, I, and I, tr- I endeavor not to do that. Um, but I think I'm in a good place because the atheists um, 
uh, have often said that I, that it looks like I'm trying to be cool with them, and the Christians say I'm too cool to a fault with them. And I, and I think that's I'd rather <laughs> err I'd rather err on the side of being too cool to them than than not enough. Yeah, you know. And I and I guess that would be that that, that would be a question though, because sometimes you do hear people say. Hey, well, you're not always supposed to be super nice to people. You should be willing to get in people's face and tell them the truth and tell them they're going to hell or whatever else. But uh, what do you? How do you handle the whole thing of people do say that? Is it you're a nice guy and you can't help it, or is their philosophy kind of informing some of that? Well, again, I try to err on the side of being too nice, but occasionally there'll be someone in the comments. And, and, and I, I may delete a comment like this. I, I have rules. If people are, if the first word out of your mouth is an insult, your comments getting deleted. Right. Uh, if you use too much profanity, the, your comments getting deleted. You know, I've got daughters that see my YouTube channel, you know, right. um, that, that said, um, sometimes I do get straightforward back, not unkind, but straightforward because you, you have all these skeptics and atheists over here and Christians that are experiencing doubt. And, and when you're dealing with them, you, you want to be conscious of, of that and be as kind as you can. But sometimes there's a Goliath who shows up who is trying to lead people astray, who will tell you that. There's a YouTuber that I've gone back and forth with who has a channel that's bigger than mine who says, I am trying to deceive you. I'm try- I work for Satan. He'll tell you that. He's now I don't believe in Satan. But for you, I work for Satan, and I'm trying to lead your kids out of the faith. Mm-hmm. That's what he says. A person like that needs a straightforward Right. Uh, response. He needs a you know a David's blow to the you know like Goliath. Uh, so there is a time for that. I think that's right. And okay. debates are maybe a time where you can be more straightforward. Like because it's the whole reason we're there. Um, and maybe in the office or, or the school or something, if, if there's someone that's disturbing the faith of one of these little ones. I mean, Jesus said, you disturb the faith of one of these little ones, it's better that a millstone be hanged about your neck and thrown into the sea. That's gentle Jesus, meek and mild talking, right? So, yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> so we don't want to do that. We're Godfather not, stuff there. We're not advocating yeah, right. anything like that, but we do want to be straightforward with those kind of people, I think. Uh, yeah, no, that's uh, that's well put. And so that's a good gauge, just to remember it and have some kind of principles in your mind and heart as you go to respond on Facebook or on Twitter or in conversations, just to have lines that you have uh, in your in your own head. Uh, I would love to ask you any questions that I I, I oh we, we we wanted to ask the one that what what is your favorite argument for the existence? Oh yeah, I so, forgot about that one. And this allows me to kind of say that for those that may be new to all of this, you might say, well, okay, you talked about arguments for God over here, and then you talked about the resurrection, but these, that design argument doesn't get you Christianity. And that's right. You want to show that God exists and then follow that with the resurrection case. You may not always need to give an argument for God's existence or a reason to believe God exists, but you do always need to give that resurrection answer. Uh, but that's why we do that. That's why we follow those. But my favorite is is an argument that William Lane Craig is known for and is the modern champion of called the Kalam cosmological argument. Now, I know that sounds like... Is that your glossary, Sarah? <laughs> it wasn't. No, it was, actually, really? I had, had been scrolling through. <laughs> yeah, it's not okay. a very good glossary. But <laughs> but, but simply put, the, this argument is, is, is basically saying God is the best explanation for the beginning of the universe. You know, Brett, both of my daughters, they're different ages, but when they were both about six years old, they both came to me and said, Daddy, I know there's a God. Well, how do you know? Well, because if there's no God, then where'd all this stuff come from? Mm-hmm. You know, and, and that is simple enough, a simple enough concept that a six-year-old can understand it, and it can be profound and deep enough that philosophers can debate about it. 
But the thing I love about this argument is you don't have to know much about science or philosophy to grasp basically what's being said here. And so it goes simply like this. So I, I, I'll, I'll be quick because I know you want to wrap up. No, you're good. But, but it goes like this. Everything that begins to exist, or we might say starts to happen, must have a cause for its coming into existence or starting to happen. So if something happens, if, if the TV behind us right now fell and hit Sarah on the head, which we pray will not happen. We're breathing one of those prayers right now. That, that won't happen. Um, we would not presume uh, that that just happened without a cause. Some, something happened there. Uh, even if it were, a, you want to imagine it's a ghost or something supernatural, something caused that. Probably this thing wasn't put together right by one of the one-lifers, and that's why. But there's going to be a cause. Everything that starts to happen has a cause. The universe started to happen. The universe began to exist. So the universe has to have a cause for its existence. And you say, okay, great, but that doesn't give me God. That's true, but hold up. Uh, the universe is made of three things, basically. Time, believe it or not, time is a part of the physical universe. Space, not just outer space, but the space we're inhabiting right now. And physical matter, the stuff that you can touch, right? Okay, now this seems like it's getting compl complicated really quick, but it's not. Time, space, and matter is the totality of the physical universe. The cause of the physical universe can't be space, time, or matter because those are the things we're trying to explain. I often say it like this. One of my favorite films is Toy Story. Um, and right. Yeah, that's, I and love Toy Story. Too. Yeah. So, uh, so if, you, if I asked, well, who, who created the digital universe of Toy Story? Um, and I said, I think Buzz Lightyear caused that digital universe to come into existence because he's my favorite character. And you say, well, come on, man. That doesn't make any sense. He's part of what we're trying to explain. We know that something outside of that digital universe made the Toy Story universe. Voice actors, directors, uh, you know, screenwriters, these kind of people. Okay, in the same way, just like Buzz is a part of the, physical, uh, the digital universe of Toy Story, uh, time, space, and matter, those are the players in the physical universe. Those are the things we're trying to explain. They can't be the explanation. That means that the cause of this universe must be a spaceless, timeless, or eternal and non-material uh, cause, and for reasons that we could get into if we have more time, uh, it would have to be a personal agent. One reason is because there's there's nothing in a spaceless, timeless state. There would have to be a decision to create from nothing. So you have a spaceless, timeless, non-material, sufficiently powerful because it has to be powerful enough to create the universe, uh, and wise enough to do it right. So what do we have just in a little five-minute explanation? You have a spaceless, timeless, non-material, sufficiently powerful, exceedingly wise mind as the best explanation for the physical universe. And that is what every Christian and every Jew has meant at base when they read Genesis 1-1, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now, if that sounded complicated, you got two options. One, you can go back and listen to that portion of the podcast again, <laughs> or you can just understand what my six-year-old daughters understood, which is that all we're saying is that God is the best explanation for the beginning of the universe. There you go. I'm glad I asked. That's yeah. amazing. You, you might like that one better than the fine-tuning one. Yeah, that's so right. That that's one I, I think I can remember pretty easily. You, yeah. you know, the movie reference is amazing. It's perfect. Oh, so thank you. It's great. Good movie. That's true. Yeah, it's terrific. And it's got that cool name, too, the Kalam Cosmological Argument. <laughs> that's it's, right. Because that's that could be on your piece of paper. If, somebody, if you're talking to somebody in the break room or whatever, let me just tell you about the Kalam Cosmological Argument. And that's already right. they're going to think, oh, wow. Okay, they're not going to argue back with you. I, that's that's right. they're, not. Yeah. they're going to want a glossary, and they won't have one because <laughs> yeah, apparently right. they don't work very well. Yeah, so yeah, I didn't have so. You can immediately look like you know what you're talking about. It's pretty good. Yeah. 
Um, so I actually, there's a question that came into the podcast, and I had sent it to you, and I hadn't planned on doing this, but I'm going to ask the question, and oh, okay. let's just, maybe Braxton will enjoy this question too, maybe not, but this came in um, a couple weeks ago after we met, uh, talked to Zach Below, and uh, this came from Christy, and she said, I had a question, she said, you guys mentioned several different time frames, uh, noticing a difference between now and the last 250 and even 30 to 40 years, uh, talking about a worldview kind of being um, more secular than it has in the past. It says, I presume the transition to a secular worldview was a gradual shift versus an abrupt change, but what, at what point did it either start or majorly change? And what do you think were some of the catalysts for this change? Major world events, certain changes in societal norms, culture, et cetera. She also said, I'm a big podcast fan. So thanks, Christy. Well, the name was Christy? Yeah. Christy, thank you for a really, really good question and a very uh, articulate, uh, well-asked question. And, uh, and I, I've thought about this a little bit before because I knew it was there, but I do want to pitch to Braxton just to throw in if you'd like to throw in. Uh, well, I was going to say that sounds like a Nancy yeah. Piercy type thing that you yeah. would be more apt <laughs> to oh, answer okay. than so me. Okay, so we're ping-ponging back and forth. Uh, yeah, yeah I, I think if I, I think if the answer that I would give is there's obviously there were obviously some cultural things that began a long time ago that snowballed to the point that we're at now. But I think the thing that lit the uh, that ignited, you know, went from a spark to a flame is the uh, proliferation of the internet and information being so available uh, because, you know, after I'd been doing apologetics in churches for a while, I had a pastor outside of Nashville. It was a church of 1500, but it was in a very rural place. And he invited me to come and he said, no, I don't want you to do any of this apologetic stuff. I know that's <laughs> your thing, but we don't have people like atheists and Mormons and Muslims. And we don't have that around here. We're country folks. Just come preach the gospel. Absolutely. And uh, three years later, he said, please come and do an apologetics conference because we've got atheists and Mormons and Muslims. And it's because the Internet has made the world a smaller place. So I don't think that's why the materialism, but that I think that's been a huge way that the message has thundered forth throughout all around the world. Yeah. But but so set up the, the cultural uh, shift for us. Uh, pastor. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, well, and he mentioned Nancy Piercy, and I would highly recommend because uh, the way he even stated the question, uh, I think you would enjoy her work in this. Uh, Total Truth by Nancy Piercy would be a great book to go to. Uh, I got made fun of relentlessly, still do, for having our staff read a book called Saving Leonardo by Nancy Piercy, which is, takes it deeper. It actually traces the history of art and how it reflects culture. Uh, so, But I'd still highly recommend it, even though I was made fun of it. I don't think I wasn't on Sarah, staff then. Actually, she wasn't I on wouldn't staff have made then. fun of you. I probably so, would have enjoyed uh, it. That's right. It, well, it, it's, it's a great book because it explains how art communicates these things. I think, uh, first of all, it started with the Enlightenment, and uh, and that was the big shift that happened with, actually was born out of a Christian worldview, but then there was a lot of things that started going with scientific revolution, and and, uh, and I see some of the big things that happened uh, was uh, Origin of Species, the publication of that, because it caused kind of a, a seismic shift that happened you can still feel, because that's why you ever notice how um, intense and heated that debate gets is fascinating to me all by itself that yeah. like but you can tell that there's more to that book than just a nice idea that somebody thought this is probably where animals came from <laughs> i mean it's there's no no one gives any quarter when it comes to that thing there so there was a philosophical shift that happened at that point that richard dawkins said it made it uh intellectual uh, possible for to be an intellectually fulfilled atheist through the book so that's huge and it's still in in the process and then in my lifetime as i watch those things happen um uh, I've I've got to I feel like I've watched things in real time. I would say the '60s. I grew up in the '70s, 
and I watch the, the culture of the 60s with the sexual revolution on one hand, but the intellectual revolutions on the other kind of form like this perfect parallel that has really taken over culture uh, just in my lifetime. I've watched that happen, um, where secularization uh, just became normalized through culture. And now you're seeing, because I remember uh, you know, just how television changed gradually over time. You noticed uh, things that were not acceptable at all uh, at one time in my life became acceptable through introducing characters and, and uh, just accepting more open sexuality or things like that. They just, it happened primarily through culture, but I really saw that happen in the 70s and then all the way through now. So it's been that they'll always explain that it always starts in philosophy departments. You know, everything starts up there with guys talking about things that no one cares about, but then it, it shifts and then it makes its way down into humanities and then it makes its way down into culture and comes through, through music and, and, and art and everything else. And, uh, and, and now you'd have, and I completely agree that like all those ingredients were there and then you, you, <laughs> the match got lit with the internet and now it's available to everybody. Yeah. You know, something you just said, um, you and I talked the other day out by the grill about, uh, how culture does often change from the top down with these institutions of the entertainment culture and all those kind of things and educational institutions and things like that. And the first half of the 20th century, you had this reliance. You're talking about the science, the, the reliance on science that, that developed. And we had this view called scientism that emerged and uh, this idea, and there's a, there's hard and soft, but generally speaking, this idea that if something can't be demonstrated scientifically, then it shouldn't be believed. The right. problem is that statement itself can't be demonstrated scientifically. Exactly. It doesn't yeah. work. Yeah, but the modern atheist uh, movement online, and probably in, in your area, has embraced that old scientism that died in the first half of the 20th century um, as a as a viable way of looking at the world, and they think that if it's if you can't demonstrate something scientifically, then it it shouldn't be believed. And um, and and the, the the thing about it is, and I don't want to be, belabor the point, but I'm not the first to give this analogy. But it's kind of like we have this great metal detector. It's the world's finest metal detector. I mean, every time there's metal, it's going to chirp. And so uh, because this metal detector, which, to blow the analogy, represents the field of you know, natural science, because this thing works so well at what it does, therefore, metal is all there is and water and sand and trees don't exist, right? Well, that'd be absurd. But that's often what the message that gets through, that because science is so good that, that the supernatural doesn't exist, the immaterial doesn't exist. And, and, it's, and, and that sort of a mentality got into the thinking. It's why Star Wars will always be better than Star Trek. And it's because Star Trek <laughs> is built on this naturalistic framework. Everything is explained naturalistically, whereas with Star Wars, we have the Force. Right. Well, there you go. Okay. That'll now probably be in the most controversial thing you it said. Probably will, and it will probably light up the podcast. We yeah. have to devote an entire episode to dealing with that question and have the apologist for. Uh, you that's know, right. Star Trek. Come on here. You know, See, I'm a pro. I know that. how to create good television. Yeah, yeah. It, 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 <laughs> good. that's right. <laughs> well, Braxton, thanks so much for joining us. Um, it's been amazing. I've enjoyed just being able to. Uh, um, I did throw in a couple of questions, but more than anything, I love a lot of things that you said, I think are easy um, to be able to just relate personally, be able to think about process and create them um, things for each of us to kind of continue in our own conversations. So well, right. I appreciate you guys having me on. It's been a blast. Yeah. Tell us again how we can get to your stuff. That's so uh, my website is uh, trinityradio.org. You can go to trinityradio.org. 
Um, or you can find me on YouTube at youtube.com slash Braxton Hunter. Um, and that's, that's for those of you that want to learn informally, but if you want to learn formally, you can go to our school's website at Trinity SEM, that's Trinity S E M dot E D U and then get into a degree program and study apologetics or counseling or practical ministry or biblical studies. Uh, we'd love to talk to you there. Oh, Absolutely. Your awesome. pastor's doing it and I'm loving it. It's great. What? That's yeah, amazing. Amen. Awesome. Um, Brett, so if this episode works out correctly, the end of this episode that you're reading right now will be for two weeks from now. So okay. anything you want to say for two weeks from now? <laughs> for two weeks from now, the way we're going to finish up the um, the Centered series is we are going to uh, talk about the person of Jesus and then go to the crucifixion, and then we are going to talk about the resurrection as the closeout, and we will talk more about those evidences that we shared. And so this kind of thing will come up again, but we're going to look at it through the grid of, a, of just an overall worldview. How do these things really profoundly impact how we look at the world? And I think you'll find it uh, hopefully to be enriching, but also build your confidence that the, the, the Christ-centered way of interpreting all of reality and the story has, I think, there's personally more explanatory power than any other option that's out there. And hopefully we'll discover that in new rich ways in the last few weeks of the series. Awesome. Thanks again to Christy for the question. Anyone wants to send in a question, you can email us at podcast at onelifechurch.org. You can download the One Life app and listen to the podcast every week, or you can watch some of the videos that we've been talking about here through our Centered series, watch any of the the teachings that Brett's been doing through our Centered series and the short films as well. So thank you guys so much for joining us, and we'll see you next week. We'd love to hear from you guys. You can email us at podcast at onelifechurch.org. You can leave a comment on YouTube or on Apple Podcasts or anywhere you're listening to this podcast. We'd love for you guys to share that out, let more people hear this great content and have an opportunity to continue that conversation even further. Our music was produced by Michael Robertson and Ben Brock. My name's Sarah and I produced this episode. <laughs>